Amen. Thanks. Okay. Good morning. I'm, I got it easy today. It's not too hot compared to, to last weekend. And, uh, it's the first time I get to preach in togs. I'm like really excited about this. <laughs> Nowhere else will that happen except at a vineyard. I love it. Um, but today I'm going to talk about a, a couple things, a couple topic, topics that uh, I really feel like are related to the, the word that Jesus gave me to release to people today. Um, Scott touched on it. I feel like God wants to restore a sense of adventure back to us. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit. Um, and then De Dave Delaney. Um, I'm also going to talk about something called progressive revelation today as well. And so, uh, and he touched on that today. So I feel like I'm on the right track today. Um, just hearing some confirmation on that. Um, but the two things I'm going to talk about is Jesus as heaven's kingdom missionary, right? God as heaven's kingdom missionary. And then, like I said, progressive revelation. But let me just pray for us um, before I start. Um, Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you are here. And we, I just ask you, Holy Spirit, to Again, to do what you love doing and make the things of Jesus known to us. Help us to understand who Jesus is a bit clearer um, and empower us onto this amazing mission that you have set before us. And so, Holy Spirit, just do, I just ask in Jesus' name, you do what you love to do in people. In your name we pray. Amen. So, I want to kind of unpack a little bit uh, this image of God as heaven's kingdom missionary, right? Have you ever thought about that? You know, have you thought about what a missionary is, right? Oftentimes, it's a missionary goes into a, another country or to another space and releases, right, uh, God's kingdom there. And so who is the original kingdom missionary? but God himself. And so I, I want to see it begin to just encourage you to begin to see as you read through the Bible, God coming out of heaven, stepping down into creation, into people's reality, and helping them understand who he is, right? Um, and what his kingdom is like. And, and this is tied to progressive revelation, but I, I'll get there. Um, but as we look at the Old Testament, we see God interacting with people, right? With Cain, um, with Abraham, with Jacob, with Moses, with David, with Solomon, with the Israelite people. But God is, is interacting with them, helping them to understand who he is in a clearer way. And I believe what heaven is like. And we see this most clearly with Jesus, as he comes onto the scene with his teaching, his life, his ministry, and his death, um, we begin to really see that Jesus is heaven's kingdom missionary to show us what heaven is like. Now, there's a couple verses I just want to put up um, to kind of support this idea that Jesus is this heaven's kingdom missionary. Luke 4, 42 and 43, it says, At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that's why I was sent, right? 
And then Luke 4, 18 and 19, uh, I'm sure we've all heard this, kind of Jesus' mission mandate. It says, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Again, mission. Jesus is on a mission. And I, again, I want us to begin to see he's heaven's kingdom missionary, right? So hold that thought, that topic, right? Now I'm going to jump into progressive revelation. And don't worry, I'll tie it together if, if you're not catching it, but um, I'll unpack that a little, little bit more. But I want to talk about this term called progressive revelation. Now, when I first ran into and began to understand progressive revelation, it was revelatory. I had like a a, 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 a mind explosion, you know, just like in my mind. Because it just, if you understand progressive revelation, the tensions and contradictions that we come that we encounter in the Bible will slowly begin to lessen and, and disappear, okay? Because, yeah. And so let's look at this, um, the, the, the definition. Uh, Wikipedia says this, progressive revelation in a nutshell is the concept that the sections of the Bible that were written later contain a fuller revelation of God than the earlier sections, okay? where the ultimate and clearest revelation of God can be seen in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, to put that in some scripture here, Hebrews 1, verses 1 to 3, says, Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. The exact imprint of his nature. And so, again, progressive revelation is this understanding that through the life of Christ, we have the clearest picture of what God is like. And Hebrews here just confirms that he's the exact imprint of his nature. And so... If we look at the Old Testament, what does this mean? In terms of the Old Testament, it's traditionally sectioned off into five sections, right? So we have the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. Then we have the historical books, which is the next 12 books, from Joshua to Esther. Then we have the wisdom literature, which is five books, Job, Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. Then you have the major prophets, and then you have the minor prophets, which are 12 books. And so what progressive revelation says is that as we progress from section to section, the portrait of God we get becomes clearer and clearer until it culminates in the person of Jesus Christ. And so with this understanding, we start, because we have the whole inspired word of God and we have the full revelation of God, we are able to look at the life of Jesus, and then when we read back through the Old Testament, use his life as a filter, as a lens um, to read through the Old Testament. And understanding that the portraits and images of God that we have in the Old Testament 
God is slowly and progressively revealing himself in clearer and clearer ways until we have Jesus, which is the clearest um, image of God that we have. Are you tracking with me? Because what happens is that we see a lot of kind of contradictions, right, in the Old Testament. But what I will propose today, and I think God still does this with us today, he meets people where they're at, and he progressively reveals himself in clear, clear ways. He, I know you don't have to raise your hand, but I'll raise my hand. Like, the, my understanding of God... 20 years ago, before I was a Christian, was like way off, right? And then I met Jesus, and then since meeting Jesus, my, I, I can confidently say that, you know, 15 years ago, I still had a really twisted view of who God was. But over walking with Jesus over the years, my understanding of Jesus and of God has become clearer and clearer, right? I think we can all say that, right? I don't understand. I wish God would just, you know, we get saved. He just zaps us and downloads exactly who he is, right? But he doesn't do that, right? And so as he does this with us today, I believe we can, when we look at the Old Testament, that's how he was dealing with the Israelite people as well. He met them where they're at. And if you don't know this, the Israelite people, they were so influenced by the other nations around them, and they had um, influence really by all the ancient Near Eastern gods as well. And sometimes what we, and Neil preached on this, you know, in terms of covenants, is that, you know, um, God was actually meeting them and working out a lot of their misunderstandings uh, of who God was, right? Um, just the other day, I was talking with somebody. Um, we had some coffee, and he goes, Jerry... Should I be concerned about, you know, churches that preach more out of the Old Testament than the New Testament, right? Very valid question, right? You, you, you see that? And so I was just like, wow. I kind of knew where he was going with that, but I just, you know, I just said, okay, Holy Spirit, give me some wisdom here, right, that I can speak to him on. And, um, and this is what I said. I said, you know, we have to be careful, I think, in terms of churches that preach out of the Old Testament more than the New Testament is because um, if the preacher or the pastors are not careful, you know, really careful, they can either directly or indirectly send a message that God will interact and deal with a Christian the way he did with the Israelite people. Yeah? Again, progressive revelation, and Neil liked this, understanding covenants. Because the Israelite people were under a whole different covenant with God, the Mosaic covenant, right? Based on the law. But today, as Christians, we are part of the new covenant based on, on Jesus' blood. It's a better covenant. You know, I won't get into all of that. I think Neil did a good job on that. Um, so what, what does that mean for us? If we can understand progressive revelation, understand covenants, we'll understand that the way that God dealt with the Israelites is no way the way he'll deal with us. Because the way God deals and interacts with a Christian today is as he would Jesus. Yeah? And so again, for me, understanding that, right, 
has helped me to stop seeing God as this mean taskmaster ready to smack me into line, right? Understanding progressive understanding covenants, right? But again, so many people, if I look out, so many non-Christians, so many Christians still hold this view of God, right? That he's like this Old Testament God dealing with the Israelite people. But he won't do that today with Christians today because we are, one, in a different covenant, right? And he interacts us as he would Jesus. Yeah? And I think that's, that's good news, right? But this is progressive revelation. So, so a couple questions just to reflect on before we kind of give some testimony here. I won't keep it you too long. I try to condense this. Um, where are you at on your own journey of progressive revelation of God? Right? Most of us, I, I don't think, when I first ran into this idea of progressive revelation, I never really thought that I was on this journey of, of progressive revelation with God. But, you know, I'm hoping that today that you'll begin to think about this. Um, if you haven't, if you have, then you are awesome. <laughs> Better than me, right? Um, but what is your understanding of God like? You know, is he harsh? Is he, does he not have a lot of grace for you? Is he, right? It's really to kind of help you to maybe push you towards pursuing um, and being honest with yourself where your picture of God isn't like Jesus, where, again, the last question is, does God look like Jesus? Because he should. And wherever you look at the life of Jesus and the way you see God, if there's a gap or a disconnect, I would encourage you pursue that and really kind of be honest with yourself and work it out and understand that you are on this journey of progressive revelation. Now, again, one of the mysteries of God that I have is that that God meets us where we're at. Like I said earlier, I wish that when I met Jesus, he just zap me, renew my mind, and give me new spirit and new creation, and you know, right? I wouldn't have any kind of wrong thinking. I wouldn't be projecting my, my brokenness onto God, like this is how God is and all this stuff. But he doesn't. He absolutely doesn't. You know, doing like ministry with people, right? Can I use you, Trent, as an example? Trent's always like, he just wants to just go shaba and then, right? And then people will just be healed and delivered and, right? We don't have to work through like all of this, you know, stuff with people. But, you know, God can do that, but he doesn't, right? And so that's for me, it's a mystery of how God meets us. And then he just, with long suffering and patience and grace and love, he just comes alongside of us and walks and journeys with us. And along the way, he just goes, ah, oh, this is what I'm like. And ah, oh, this is what I'm like. You know, this is what I'm like. And I don't know about you, but as he has done that, I've been going, oh, I thought you were like this, God. Oh, I thought you were like this, you know. But God does that. He journeys with us, and he's so patient with us, right? More patient than me. Um, and again, this is progressive revelation. If you don't have a word for it, this is the, the, the official word, right? The official theological word, word is progressive revelation. So I'm going to keep repeating it, hammer it home, 
right? Because I think it's really important for us because, one, if we understand we're in the process of progressive revelation, I think it'll bring a lot of humility to us where we won't think that we already, we know who God is, but we're on this journey of continually discovering who God is. And hopefully if we accept progressive revelation, we'll be more open to allowing God to maybe change our thinking on who he is or what he's like, right? Based on his word, of course. I mean, we do have the inspired word of God, but right? Again, if we are reading with the wrong filters, if we're reading through the Bible and focusing on the wrong things, that's not going to help us to have a clear picture and revelation of who God is. So I'm going to share this testimony. I share this at Encounter. I've been thinking about, should I share it here today? It's... Okay, I'm just going to share it. <laughs> I've kind of reworked it a little bit since I shared it encounter, but um, when I first met, began to have like a spiritual awakening in my life, right? Um, some of you, most of you know my background. If you don't, um, you know, back in America, I was addicted to drugs. I was a drug dealer for many years um, back in America. And um, during that time, God kind of just started coming after me in a good way, right? I didn't think it was a good way, but, you know, <laughs> felt like God kind of put his hand on me and began to open my eyes to a spiritual realm and all sorts of crazy supernatural things started happening. Um, and there was a moment where I was going off to a, some rave, you know, to, to sell drugs, and I was packaging up my drugs, and I remember praying to God. I was having all these, like, experiences of God, supernatural things. And I remember praying as I was packaging up these drugs, saying, okay, God, I just pray that when people do these, they'll like ha experience what I'm experiencing of you, right? Hey, like I said, when I met God, my understanding of God was like really twisted, right? Now I'm going to share this and I'm not saying that God blessed my, my drug dealing, right? That's not what, that's not my point at all. Okay. Cause I don't think God actually did that. Okay, but that night, I sold out of everything like super fast, yeah, and, and I remember thinking, wow, I felt like God really blessed me, you know, and again, I'm not saying that God, you know, like, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, um, that God like approves of drug dealing at all, right? But what I do know is this, God met me where I'm at, he put his love on me, and he put his favor on me, and the outcome was that I was blessed, right? Now, now again, let me be careful here. When I look through, like, the Old Testament, right, and I look through, like, the book of Judges, right, where you had these judges, and it, the Bible always says the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, and they did mighty works of God. But they also did a lot of not-so-good things in the power of the Lord. Yeah? And then when I look at, like, the, the kings in the Old Testament, right, we all know that, you know, uh, Samuel went and anointed David to be king. And when he anointed him with oil, the Spirit of God came upon him to be king, right? And then when he you know, anointed Saul, same thing, right? And 
even though it's not recorded in the Old Testament, right? Each moment that the kings were anointed and the Spirit of God came upon them, but that was the way, because um, because God anointed each king with His Spirit so that they can rule His people, right? So even though it's not recorded, and and when I look at some of the kings, they were horrible, you know. And again, and to move this up to modern day, you know, televangelists in America, we have like so many televangelists on Foxtel, and every morning you can like order a, a green handkerchief that you know that if you sow like twenty dollars, they'll mail you this green kind of handkerchief, and then you'll be blessed. Lots of money will come in, right? And again, it's just kind of like, but then I, you know, that's maybe really far off. Um, but then I see other televangelists that move in the power of the Spirit, right? But then look how they're living. They have like their own private jets. There's so much greed involved in that, yeah? So again, I'm not saying that, you know, when God said his love and favor on me on that night when I was selling drugs, that he was approving of that, because I don't think God approved of the Old Testament kings, of their actions, and I don't think God approves of these leaders and pastors and uh, power evangelists, right? Like, you know, I'm not going to mention any names, right? That have these lavish love lifestyles, have this greed and have this stuff, but the Spirit of God's still moving in power over them. I don't get it, right? But I know that God's not approving of that kind of character and that kind of behavior, but He still moves through them, yeah? And so again, I'm just kind of saying, again, I'm not saying that God approved of what I was doing, but in that moment, God met me, and I felt like he loved me, right? I felt like he loved me and understood me, yeah? Now, from that moment on, my life kind of went like crazy. My drug dealing kind of ended. I got arrested by the police. It was just kind of chaos happened after that, right? And I always explain it as I feel like God turned my life upside right because I was living so twisted and so upside down. That turning myself upside right, my life upside right meant getting arrested by the police, understanding that it's illegal, understanding that that's not the way to live life, right? But again, God met me in that one moment, and that was enough for me to kind of pursue God and tether myself, begin to kind of say, okay, I felt God's love, that's real. Even though all this stuff is going crazy, I got to understand who this God is more, and I got saved. Does that make sense? And so again, I think God meets us where we're at. It's a mystery. And since then, he has slowly begun to help me to understand who he is. And again, what I know now, I definitely don't think I would ever pray that again. (laughs) I don't think it would ever happen again. But in that moment, yeah, you get it. All right. Um, I do want to touch on something here. Um, Is this, again, this misunderstanding of who God is right? Um, A lot of people have this understanding that God is this angry God, this judging God who, like, when we are sinning, he is, like, super far off. He's, like, you know? He's, like, this angry, angry judge ready to kind of just squash us, right? Um, I want to kind of speak into that because I think what I, my own experience of God and what I see in Scripture is that, yes, God is the judge of all things, but 
That's not his first impulse, right? A lot of us think that God is ready, his first impulse, bring judgment and, you know, on to people. But I don't believe that's his first impulse. I believe God's first impulse is to be a father, right? To show grace and mercy um, and long-suffering. And again, I see that through the Old Testament. If you read through that, God is so long-suffering, and he shows so much grace, throughout the Old Testament. Again, if you're looking for that and seeing that. um, Now, I want to touch on this difference between organic and forensic consequences of sin, okay? Because I think, again, helping you to understand a clear picture of God um, is this idea that God knows that sin has its own consequence, yeah? So if I rob a bank, I get caught, I don't think it's God judging me, saying, don't rob banks. I'm going to send the police to judge you. There are laws in place that if I do wrong, I'm going to get suffer consequence, right? And that's the organic, natural consequences of sin, right? Now, the other side is what most of us tend to kind of think God is doing is the forensic or the judicial consequences of sin, where God is actively micromanaging people's sin, saying, you do this, I'm judging you, you do this. I'm, I'm, I'm actively judging you every little bit of the way. And I don't think God is doing that. I think in the midst of our sin, God is calling us to something better and showing us grace in the midst of that because he's patient with us and meets us where we're at. Okay? So... I mean, if God was micromanaging our sin, he wouldn't have given us free will in the first place, (laughs) you know? But again, he understands the consequences of sin are enough, and we suffer those. Um, And the only time we don't suffer those consequences, like when, when I started getting arrested by the police, and back in America, I was facing two charges, one federally and one at a state level. Federally, I was facing 15 years um, and st- in the state, I was facing um, five, two consecutive charges, five years each. So 25 years, right, if I did those consecutively. And, and I feel like in the midst of that, God actually broke in and showed me mercy. I actually, I got off the federal one, and I got probation on the, the, the state one. It was amazing, because for the state one, the the the, I interviewed with the probation officer and the, the district attorney over there. They are just like, you see, he's gotten arrested again by the DEA, and he hasn't learned his lesson. He needs, you know, full sentence, no chance of probation. All This is what they're telling the judge. And the judge kind of just, no, nah, I think I'm going to give him a chance. You believe that? And again... I was suffering the organic, natural consequences of my actions, but God came in, showed mercy in the midst of that, and look, my life changed. You know, he had mercy, and I, I, I really felt that God was having mercy on me, and it propelled me even more to pursue God, right? Romans 2 talks about the kindness of God moves people to repentance, and I felt the kindness of God, and I was just like so overjoyed, and I pressed into God. So I want, I want to say to you, no matter what you're struggling with right now, 
Jesus is saying to you, I am, I am willing. He's willing to enter into whatever you're going through. And I love the vineyard. We, we get that, right? But again, just as God was progressively revealing himself to the Israelites, so in the midst of what you're going through, and I love what David kind of said, Jesus has already set you free. But we have to come into that revelation that he has. Yeah? Again, this is progressive revelation of understanding that we have been set free. Um, to use a more, to, to ground this in, in scripture. So the Israelite people, right, they understood to hate their enemy, right? The, the, the other nations was their enemy and they would go to war with them and all these things. And God met them where they're at and accommodated them and said, okay, fine. But when Jesus comes on the scene, what does he say? Love your enemies, right? Again, God is progressively revealing. Why didn't he tell the Israelite people back, back thousands of years earlier? No, love your enemy. Because he was meeting them where they're at. Because if God spoke to the Israelite people and said, love your enemy, they probably would have been like, no way, we're not, you know. They just weren't in a place to, to hear that. And oftentimes, that's how God is with us. He has these things he wants to reveal us, but we're just not in a place to even accept that that's the type of God who God is. Right? And then we, we, we read in Ephesians 6, right? Last, you know, Kirk went through Ephesians um, last year where Paul goes it a step further and says, okay, Jesus says, love your enemy, right? Bless those who persecute you. But Paul says, no, if it has flesh and blood, it's not your enemy. He even ups it even more where, okay, people, you got to love them, but actually people aren't even your enemy. It's the principalities and spirits behind the people that you're your enemy. Again, progressive revelation, right? Understanding all of this stuff. And so Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, understand that Jesus is willing to enter into and meet you right where you're at. I'm going to close with this illustration. Um, I shared this at Encounter, and then when we met for the preaching team, people said, ah, oh, you got to share that illustration Sunday morning. So I'm going to share it. Um, it comes from this guy I've been reading called Greg Boyd, um, and he shares this illustration. Uh, and uh, he talks about this couple that um, runs a, like a home for people, for abused children. Okay? Now, they, they set up their homes at, as home families, right? And so they have these different houses that are kind of abuse centers where they bring these children in and they kind of have like a house mom and a dad and some staff that work in each of these houses. But they understand that these kids come from really broken homes where they've been sexually abused, physically abused, emotionally abused and manipulated, spiritually abused, all sorts of kind of abuses come in. Um, and so they have, and they're Christians, right? And they're, they're Christians. And, um, and so they have some experience in dealing with children who have abuse. And they, and they, he shares how they had this one girl come in, right? I think she was maybe right eight, nine, or ten, eight, you know, very young, but she, um, they knew that she suffered abuse, but they didn't know exactly what kind of abuse she actually suffered, right? And, um, and so they put her in her room, 
And the first night that, that she's there, um, they wake up in the morning, and on the wall, she's actually taken her own, own poo and smeared it all over the walls, yeah? And, um, and, the, and, the, and the people were like, wow, what is going on, right? They knew that she was doing it for a reason, and they've had some experience with this, and I, I really feel like it shows, this illustration really shows the heart of God and the heart of Jesus' willingness to enter into our mess. And, and so rather than kind of coming in and saying, hey, you can't do that, and putting in all these rules and exercising heavy authority over her and, you know, trying to change her behavior, they just let her, they let her do it. Right? So the next morning, again, they found her poo smeared on the walls, and the whole room smelled. And, and finally, they're really, as Christians, praying and asking God what to do. Right? And you never believe what they did. I, when I first heard this and read this, I was just like, wow, that's amazing. What they did was they wanted to create a connection with her. They wanted to make her feel like she was in a safe place, and they wanted to make help her to they, right, see that they weren't there to like discipline and you know all these things. They wanted to connect with her and and show in a sense solidarity and and cultivate intimacy with her, right? And so what they did was they actually hired they had one of the staff members come in every night, right, with latex gloves on, and they sectioned off a part of the wall, and the staff member said to me. I'm here to help you every night, you know, to help you rub, you know, your poo on the wall. You believe that, right? And so, and that's what this staff member did. With latex gloves, rubbed it on there, you know, and that went on for a little bit. And then she began to open up to the staff member, begin to share why she did this. And so she shared that, you know, her father was a drunk, got drunk every night, and he would come in and sexually abuse her, right? But one night when he was sexually abusing her, she, she, she pooed herself, right? She kind of pooed. And he got really kind of grossed out and he left. You, you're tracking with me? And so in her eight-year-old, nine-year-old mind, she's like, ah, if I do this, this is bad Stuff is not going to happen to me. And that was her defense system, right? But rather than kind of coming in and trying to discipline and tell her heavy authority over her life, don't do that, don't do this, they came in with grace and with long-suffering, looking to, to, to show solidarity, to, to create an intimate connection with her, healthy, and she began to open up. The story goes fast forward that she's confident she doesn't do that anymore, that she's had some great healing in her life, that she can begin to trust adults and trust people. But again, I believe this is such a good image of who Jesus is with us. He comes in and enters into our life, right? And he will go through all sorts of stuff to create intimacy and trust with us, right? Maybe that offends you or it doesn't fit your context of who God is, but God is willing to get dirty with us, right? If you think about 
what do, what do we see on the cross? Jesus came, and the Bible says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin. He takes his sin upon us, right? And in many ways, that's how he, he meets us. And that's a missionary. I know I was going to end there. I just, let me just say, a missionary, when a missionary goes in, I just heard this other story recently where, you know, a missionary went into this African country where they do, um, again, all the kids are gone, right? So <laughs> it's more of an adult kind of topic. But in Africa, they do kind of this kind of, maybe I won't share. Anyway, they do this kind of surgery on women, right? Um, and it's in their private area, right? And it's very horrendous, right? And there's a story about how these missionaries went into these tribal areas where they're performing this on, on children and women. And what they did was... Um, they began, instead of coming in and saying, this is wrong and blah, 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 they began, again, to, to connect with them, and they began to kind of help them to do it more cleansely. Because when they were doing it, it's just with, like, it's dirty, and people, women were getting infections and dying and stuff like that. And so as these missionaries came in, they met them, and, uh, and they began to help them to, so the women wouldn't die. Right? They knew that they couldn't just come in and say, you got to stop this. This is horrible. You can't do this. But they began to help them so the women stopped dying from infection. Right? And again, what do you think these tribal people are thinking? Well, oh, look at these people. They're, they're approving of our, our, our practice. But actually, they're not. They're just building intimacy with them until and, and bringing health into the women that is happening to them until they could kind of begin to speak into that and say, hey, and share Jesus with them. And, and the, the story goes, people, tribe people started getting saved, and they began to have the Holy Spirit and began to understand how wrong their practices were. Yeah? And again, I think God is the same way with us. He's this missionary that comes in, right, and meets us and begins to help us to understand who he is in our twisted and distorted thinking of who he is that and he begins to show us that now he has grace he's long-suffering he wants to create trust and intimacy with us he's not heavy-handed he doesn't come in with these strong judgments like <gasps> even though he's God and he can again I believe that's not his first impulse his first impulse is to come in really close to us sit with us if we're rubbing poo on the walls, he'll sit with us, right? And begin to show us his love, his care, that he can be trusted, that he's good. All of these things. I feel like God wants to do something today with people. I hope you're feeling a, the tenderness of God right now, right? Because I feel like God is... Here, and he wants to do a couple things. This is what I wrote down, but one, he wants to meet people and bring greater revelation to them. And maybe for you, that's just saying right now, God, I'm sorry for how I've just misunderstood you for so long. I thought you were this angry God, you know? Because God wants to meet you and 
And again, like I said, God wants to bring and restore a sense of adventure back to all of us, to Pine Rivers and to every single person here. When I was praying this week and just thinking through this, I really feel like there's a tiredness, right, that the enemy has kind of brought in. And there is this sense of, uh, the, the sense of adventure, the amazing adventure that God has for us as to join him on mission has been kind of stolen. Where, where when we think of like mission or with God, we just think, oh, that's a lot of work. Oh, the, the, the spiritual warfare we're going to come against. Oh, right? And we've lost this sense of adventure with God. And again, I feel like if you haven't heard about this kind of amazing missionary adventure, Jesus wants to invite you into that today, you know? But the other side of this, and I felt this really strongly, he wants to restore a sense, I wrote it down to get it right, a sense of awe and adventure to people who have been worn out or burnt out or disappointed or discouraged along the way. Jesus wants to bring renewal and revisioning to your life for the next journey, the next leg of your, I wrote this down, (laughs) amazing kingdom missionary adventure, right? So two things, because again, I think, you know, I love at the preaching meeting, Kirk said, two things we're going to focus on this year. We got a story to tell, right? A kingdom story to tell and a life to live, a kingdom life to live. And I feel part of this is to be able to do this, to tell the amazing kingdom story and to live an amazing kingdom life, we have to have this sense of adventure returned and restored to our hearts and our souls. Where we don't look at it like, right, this huge burden, but it becomes a joy. And I really feel like God wants to release that to people today.